Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. This is the Monday Morning Coffee Edition. I'm here with Anna Maria Torres. She's a renowned architect, designer, and a New York-based urban planner who established an award-winning firm called At Architects over 20 years ago. And what's crazy when I thought about 20 years ago was that's a while ago. And then it's like, that's 2021. That's not that, that's not that long ago at all. Um, before coming to the U.S., Anna uh, was an associate professor of architectural design at ETS Architecture in Madrid. Um, at Architects holds the core belief that architecture affects the human condition and that economic means do not define architectural creativity. Anna, welcome to Inside the Firm. Thank you so much, Alex, for having me here. Yeah, it's so it's pleasure. great. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Talk about you. You must be from Spain. Um, talk about that experience versus the U.S. Um, and how it was. Uh, how long? Yeah, because you probably only came here 20 years ago, correct? Uh, a little bit longer um, because, uh, yes, I am. Okay, let me uh, begin. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am from Spain. <laughs> and it's very obvious by my accent. <laughs> and um, actually, I came a little bit earlier. Uh, I was... Um, in 1992, it was an exchange, a program exchange with the Fulbright um, because of the discovery of America between the, cult the American culture and the Spaniard culture. And uh, I came to write a book on Isamu Noguchi. And that experience took me to meet with Diana Valmori through a Thanksgiving dinner. She offered me a work. And then I finished working with her. She it was a Valmori associate is still active. She passed away a couple of years ago in um, a, a landscape designer. And um, then I became first became her designer, project manager, and became her partner. And then in 2000, I was like, okay, I need to do other things. And then I opened 80 Architects. So um, did you just come to America just, just to see what it was like? Did you always want to come here? Or... Actually, I came to write the book because Isamu Noguchi, uh, if you remember, he has a museum here in Long Island City. Mm -hmm. And um, then the only place to do the research, the book is about, got published by the Monacelli Press. And um, the only, you know, the source for to do the research was in their museum here in Long Island. Then I came to study and do a research yep. of, of, his, uh, of his sculpture and his gardens. And in the mix of that, I met Diana, and then I began to work in her landscape architecture firm. And, uh, yeah. Um, how big was that firm? And could you kind of describe, because you basically rise to the top, what was that journey like? Well, it was quite very interesting. 
it, it was fascinating because I was not looking for a job. <laughs> I came to write a book. Uh, then it was fascinating. Her, her office was very small. We were areas between eight to ten people. Okay. And um, but we were doing the landscape, the majority of the, the work that we have with, with Cesar Pelli's office. And I had the opportunity to design the, of course, with Diana, the, um, all the landscape and gardens of the Petronas Towers in Kuala Lumpur. Mm. I had the opportunity to um, work in the Museum of Osaka in Japan. Uh, of course, in Spain, in Bilbao, then um, it was quite a journey. I have the opportunity to travel a lot, <laughs> very short trips, yep. <laughs> very intense, <laughs> but uh, kind of very exciting uh, at the moment. You know, it was kind of fascinating. Then in 2000, it was fine, but I felt then because... Uh, working with Caesar and architecture, it was only doing landscape, and I love landscape, and I love urban planning, but also I am an architect. Then I wanted to do more architecture. Then it's one eighty architects was yep. created. Okay. So before we get into the beginnings there, I just want to jump ahead a year because it's a new firm, and 9-11 happened. Yep. Uh, were you in New York at the time? What yep. was that like? How did it affect your firm? Well, it was quite an experience because I have the firm at that time in Soho, yep. uh, in uh, for uh, 45 Broadway. And we were in, um, in the typical traditional uh, building of Soho. Then you have this huge stair that goes all the way from the bottom to the fifth floor. <laughs> and it's all in once that you see it. And it was a walk up. And the office was facing inside of the block instead of the street. And uh, I was early in the office. And then at that time, I was married. And uh, my husband called me, or ex-husband, sorry, called me. And, um, and told me, Anna, something is happening. You need to come back to the, to, to the house. And I said, well, I need to wait for my, for my people. I cannot just leave the office. I need to wait. Then I waited. And it was just the moment and everything happened. And we were, you know, between um, Broom and Grand Street in the kind of, not in the middle, but very close. Then I wait for um, the people that was working in the office. Then I tell them to please. Then by then we were finding out what was going on. And I tell them to go home as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Then I think the, the thing that kind of impressed me most, because of course then we need to go down five floors. And uh, we, at that time we didn't hear anything because we were in the back. Uh, the office was facing the back. Then um, when we came down to Broadway, the most impressive thing was the silence. Whole yeah. Broadway was silence. It was no traffic, uh, no traffic uh, coming down Broadway, and only just people coming up Broadway. And the people that you could see walking, they weren't with no, you know, like a, the guys with no jacket. So the people was just walking with whatever they had on it, but, you know, in absolutely silence. Only people was asking, do you have a telephone? But that by then, 
no telephones were working, no cellular phones, no telephones were working because the towers had the, the exchange for the phones. Then we yeah. didn't have phones to let to anybody to let them. Then yeah. I think for me that moment was the most kind of um, profound of yeah. how you could see people just how the city changed radically and how the people was walking in a completely different um, with different energy with different uh, mindset and I think that I will never forget that I think yeah and we were talking before this I know and you know how loud New York is even in the middle of the night if you really listen in New York you'll hear sirens you'll hear everything going on so for New York to be quiet is very unusual yeah. at any yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. And also you need to think Soho, Broadway, uh, 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 between 8.30, 10 o'clock, it's packed. <laughs> yes. yeah. It's traffic everywhere, buses, uh, everything is all moving and everything is completely active. Then, yeah, it was absolutely silent. Nobody was talking with nobody. Everybody was just walking and moving out you know, moving up and and walking. Yeah. Crazy. Well, good. I just wanted to get to that story. Um, But going back to 2000, when you started at what, when you, what in your head made you decide that you wanted to, and did you have things lined up or what was that transition like? Um, I think it was, (laughs) I am a little bit, uh, I take a little bit of risks. <laughs> I didn't really have anything lined up. I just was kind of jumping into the pool with no swimming, <laughs> you yeah. know, with no knowing if you are going to, you know, to, to get afloat or not. Um, it was, I love, uh, listen, don't, don't, um, don't mistake. Everybody was like, please don't leave. Uh, you should stay. Um, and I love what I was doing. I had amazing opportunities. Listen, I was traveling through the whole world, uh, meeting, I met uh, Burle Marx. I met uh, very interesting people, top of the engineering companies, you name it. I work in a performance art center in the Kuala Lumpur Towers, the Petronas Towers, that for many years were the tallest <laughs> buildings in the world. I, it was amazing, but I, I felt that I want to do more kind of a variety of work. And that only was possibility if I was by my own, because, of course, it was a lot of uh, opportunities. But traveling, I was traveling almost three weeks of the month. And mm. it was two days in Kuala Lumpur, uh, two days in Japan, one day in Bilbao. You know, it was really very intense. Then you didn't have time to do much more than what you were doing. Yeah. And uh, and I want to do. I want to explore other avenues, like uh, curate exhibitions, write more books, and for that I need to organize my time in a different way. Yep. Then How- that is what changed my mind. How is your firm structured now and what kind of work are you doing? Um, Well, 
we are doing uh, a bit of everything right now. Um, my my office is a structure is is a small. We right now are seven people. Uh, part because I like to be involved in the design process, uh, and I never wanted to have a big firm, precisely because I wanted to be involved in the design, in the phases of the work. Yeah. Uh, and um, basically, I is me. I have uh, a general manager uh, for the office from the more administrative part. A, a project manager, then actually is also a person that is a, used to be a general contractor to have what is kind of give us the the support for construct from the point of view of construction, and then I have uh, other architects. Then they are working, you know, in different projects or sometimes because it's a small office. Then sometimes we are working together if we have a deadline or if no each one is in charge of a particular project yeah where do you find you get the most of your clients from referrals actually do you remember what was your first project that you got at your that you did at at architecture my first project was a recommendation through the director a former director of the noguchi museum that uh, one of his uh, friends, she is from um, Mexico, and she actually was working with another architect, but she was not having a good relationship with that architect. Then uh, Soji Sadao, the director at that time of the museum, recommended me, partly because I am Spaniard, <laughs> and she was from Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then we talk, and then that was my first project. It was the in um, 64th Street and Fifth Avenue, a penthouse, a, a combination of two apartments. And I still, I she was my first client, and we are still talking. And when she has another project or things like that, she is still calling. Then. I think that is one of the things that is happening. Then my clients is kind of we become no friends, but we are still in a relationship uh, for many years. I would agree. Um, the first two developers that I worked with, yeah, I've probably worked for fifty developers over the past mm -hmm. ten years, but the first two, I'm, I would say I'm literally friends with them. Um, mm -hmm. One, we don't do much projects together just because he doesn't do one. And one, we do, but um, it's weird, those first initial ones. And it might just be the energy that you're bringing, the, the, what it means you know, for them to give you that project and how you want to prove yourself um, and all that. So I do think there is something special about the first clients that you have when you're starting out. Yeah, and it's also, you need to think, is you, I just begin. I, when I left Balmori, the person then, one of the people then was working in Balmori was like, you are leaving, can I live with you? I said, well, you need to talk with Diana. Then it was both of us <laughs> in the office originally. Uh, she was from India, Sonali. And, um, and then all of a sudden you have this project and you are being recommended also by, um, 
by what person then you, you know, you have respect for it. And all of a sudden you are recommended for a job. Then it's all this trust and, and kind of confidence that other people has that you will do, <laughs> then you will make it happen. That I think is also amazing. Yep, absolutely. Um, I came across what I think was either an article of yours or uh, possibly a talk. And it, the, the title hit me and it seems cool. The sex appeal of the inorganic. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> so I, I didn't read it because I wanted to ask you about it, but um, I, I'm afraid to tell some people. One of my friends was actually writing a book and he was writing about an architect. And I was too embarrassed to say like, yeah, some buildings are really sexy. Like even like, <laughs> and when, when that title, I'm not just talking about curvilinear buildings, yeah, yeah. but like, you know, modern buildings too. So tell us the thought behind that. <laughs> well, um, it's kind of, uh, I did that actually came because I was invited for a talk in the, with the Cooper Hewitt. Mm-hmm. They did an exhibition that was called Design Equal Art. And by then I had curator, curate a um, couple of exhibitions. And one of them was of the American sculptor, um, Scott Burton. And it was this concept of this philosophical concept that if you put an ob- a little bit like a Duchamp, but another extreme, if you put an object, even if you put a building, you know, anything that is kind of say object, and you take it out of the context and you put it in a different context, then the, the, the meaning and how is view changes. Then this is the reason of the sex appeal of the inorganic, because if you take one, um, one chair and you put it in the middle of the museum, it's completely different context than if you put it in your dining room. Mm. If you take uh, a space, you know, if you take your apartment, imagine where you live, and then all of a sudden you put it in front of a an amazing transparent beach with a water then is amazing you know then is kind of completely calm and and very soothing your the feeling of the space of the apartment inside it will change interesting yeah, because your your environment changes and your perception of the space will change not only then the space Maybe it doesn't change in proportions or anything, but your perception of how you see the space by what is surrounding you and what is the importance that you give to that environment, it will affect how you perceive your own space. Gotcha. It's a cool concept. Very cool (laughs) concept. Um, I want to ask you, in your opinion, what do you think is one of your most successful projects and why would you say it was your one of your most successful projects <clears throat> to be uh, well i would say we'll say from the pragmatic point of view uh we did uh with i did a church in harlem for 2000 and something um people then it came very well done and it came very kind of 
a fantastic reference for, and now I have a lot of churches that I am working with because of that particular project. And it looks more like a theater than a church. That's yeah. in, it's not too religious. Um, but for me, in one point, um, and then that from a commercial, more commercial uh, place, the one thing was Quiet Intestine has been a project in Southampton. Then we did kind of a complex and we begin to work with one client. And then that client sold the property to another client. And we continue working with this client and I work with them for several years. Uh, and that was very rewarding because it allowed me to develop particular, more sustainable uh, approaches and methods um, to the design, then I had the opportunity to do it in the city because it was in Southampton. It was a very big, large property. We could create ponds for harvesting water. Then I think that was very rewarding on that sense. Mm -hmm. But just in general, I think every project is very rewarding because if you connect with the client and the client allows you to develop, even if it's a small piece of your creativity, you know, uh, that will, that is very rewarding because you are making reality some of your dreams, some of your, of how you see a space or how you see how you understand the environment then in general I think all the projects have a piece then you feel if you accomplish it to make it happen and, and in the end looks good I think in the end you feel all of them has something then you is important for you yeah how, how do you connect with clients how do you sort of get clients to, I mean, they have to kind of choose you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, the first, uh, for me, it's very important to go to see the space. Then normally when I, before even I, the first, they come and they say, oh, we want this, 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 this. My first uh, request is, can I visit your space? Can I see your space? Normally they say yes, because I don't charge them for, <laughs> for visit the space. Then I say, and when I see the space and I understand what they want, um, I give them an idea. Sometimes it's not what they are thinking. And sometimes they tell me, oh, this is too much. We were not thinking about this. We just want to do A, B, and C and that. And uh, on all of a sudden, sometimes they come back. And say, actually, we thought about your idea and we are fascinated about it. And then is how I pay the, the, the clients. Normally by explaining them how I see the space and how I imagine how they can they, how they can accomplish what they want, but maybe with a twist. Yep. Um, here's a two-part question. So you can answer either. Either one. You don't have to answer both unless you want to answer both. Okay. Um, what was the hardest project you had to do and why was it the hardest project? Or, so that's one, or what's the hardest part of running and managing a firm? 
And maybe you should answer both. <laughs> I think um, I think the hardest project, and actually I was kind of, to be honest with it, it was we were renew, helping to uh, renovate um, a lobby of one of the big buildings here in Manhattan. And I really couldn't connect with the client. It's like you really connect and, in, and actually it was not because we were in an opposite points of the aesthetics, but we didn't connect in the communication. Mm. We didn't manage to, to communicate properly or I didn't manage to communicate properly. And, and that was hard because it was a very beautiful project. If we put a lot of effort and in the end, it was impossible. It, we, it, was, not, no, it was not flowing. It was, not, it was hard. Then the client decided that they, they need to do it differently. Do you think that communication issue came from a difference in personality or was it external forces like they were too busy and couldn't communicate or you had too many other projects and couldn't communicate? Um, or was it just a, a personality thing or a style? Mm, I don't think it was a matter of a style. I think it was a mix of two things. I think, I think it was more an issue of expectations. Okay. In, in the sense of um, the client had that's New York for you in the background. That, that is New York, <laughs> yes. Um, the client have a expectations of how things should be doing it or how was the the way of doing it. And and I think I have my own way of doing it. And then I couldn't maybe communicate correctly. Um give to the client the idea then I was really listening to them and then bringing what I thought it was um, my strengths then I think it was maybe expectations from both parts and and lack of knowing how to communicate you you know actually make the client kind of giving really the understanding to the client and I was listening to them. Then really I was, I was hearing them and I was understanding them. I was just bringing something else too. And I mm. wanted them to kind of take it into consideration. And I think that became too complicated. And you know, then in New York, when the things get too complicated, normally the people, you know, part in different ways because it's too complicated. Yep. No, that, that, that makes sense. Okay. Um, what about managing, you know, the firm, creating a firm? Um, it's, it's a challenge. Uh, I, I wake up sometimes in the middle of the night to say, what I am doing? <laughs> um, I think and can, we, can we pause there? Because I think this is important for people to know. Is it when you wake up or think about it at night, is it, is it, oh man, did I, you know, I forget this or I didn't think of this or I don't know how to do it. What is that? Because I think everyone thinks that everyone that's at a firm has all the answers. And sometimes we're just pretending to. 
<laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think for me, I love going to the job site. I love construction and, um, and I like to go there then, but at the same time, it becomes a very intense experience because you are, you have the responsibility then you are working with the money of others. It's not your money. It's the money of another person and it's entrusted to you. And that means, you know, you make mistakes and then who is the responsible for the mistakes? What happened? Then part, some part, sometimes is waking up in the middle of the night to say, is this correct? Are we sure then this is properly done? Are we sure that we are not making a mistake in this? Um, that is one part. Other times it's like, okay, I am, or I don't have enough work. Where is the next project going to come? You know, I have all these bills to pay. I have all the responsibility of these people and it's working for me. What do I do? Um, other times is you take, you make a decision, you make a decision to um, say no to a project, to say to somebody, then you need to leave, then they need to leave because it's not working. Also, that is a, is a time of to kind of reflect and then you kind of, at least me personally, get a little bit kind of, I get a little bit, okay, I am making the right decision. It's just me, it's objective, the decision that I am making or not. Um, it's a small office, then everybody has their own emotions. And in, in, in and the clients has their own emotions. And because the clients are very important and very involved, and I am very involved in the construction with the contractors, with the materials, with everything, then sometimes it gets very intense. Uh, the, that creates an energy and 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 is is everybody is part of everybody. Then um, that affects not just me, but affects how a client is reacting and the person is working in the project, all of a sudden gets defensive and you need to tell them, no, you cannot get defensive. It's the client. We need to, doesn't mean that it's right all the time, but you, we need to tell them in a different way. Then all of this um, in a small office, it gets sometimes tricky. And then at night is the moment of silence, mm. at least for me, is <laughs> the moment of silence, is the moment that you are alone, and is the moment that you are kind of, okay, did I did this right? Is this correct? Is, you know, it's, it, the night is because it's the moment of silence, I think, at least for me. Yeah. What's the best part of owning the firm and managing it and running it? Um, first of all, um, I don't know. I love what I do. <laughs> then, um, it's your own. Your own, your own mistakes, but only your own, your own glories. It's, it's you, it's everything is, uh, you create, uh, you know, it's like a baby. It's the baby. It's your, you are seeing it doing better and not just doing better because you make more money with also that is very helpful but you do better because the projects are coming better because you have people that are working with you for years 
and then becomes this kind of complicity. They know how you work. They know what you want. Uh, but all of that is, is fantastic because it's yours. I don't know how to explain it better. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great reason. That's a great explanation. Um, anything else you want to talk about or cover or share? Um, no, I think no. I think the only thing that I would like to briefly to share to to share with uh, with you is, for me, architecture is very important. Not because you know, because the, the, I, I don't know if I have a different point of view or anybody, but for me it's important because we sometimes forget how actually important it is because we live inside always of a piece of architecture. And if that space or that piece of architecture is too dark or too tight or, 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 or too... Uh, something is not flowing correctly, we don't realize how much affects us. And sometimes we allow for that type of architecture to happen. Mm -hmm. This is what I think then is, um, this is what I think the architecture is very important. Very nice. Um, where, if people want to find your work, uh, where can they go? Where can they connect with you? Uh, I have a website. <laughs> you can see some, not everything, but you can see some of the work with this um, atarchitectsny.com. And they always can come to visit. We have lunches in the office and clients and people, then guests, then come in. They will join us for lunch. Oh, that's amazing. Well, <laughs> well, thanks for being our guest and thanks for sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for having me, Alex.